Welcome to episode 29 of the Romantic About Baseball podcast. Uh, I am your host, Adam McKinnon, joined as, as often by my co-host, Jim Passon Jr. Jim? Uh, good to be here. 28 episodes farther than I thought this was going. So Yeah, that's that, that, makes, uh, that makes two of us who thinks that. And yeah. uh, joining us for this uh, monumentous episode is uh, Levi Weaver. Uh, you may know him also as at uh, 32EFIS on uh, Twitter. He's the beat writer for the uh, Texas Rangers for The Athletic. Levi, thank you so much for giving us some of your time today. Yeah, of course. No, I'm happy. I, I had a lot of other things going on that I was definitely going to be doing yeah. uh, in in public, surrounded by a lot of people. But I decided to do this. Man, just what a what a noble what a noble guy. What a noble guy. Do what I can. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah. Man of the people. So, yeah. so Levi, I wanted to start you off with a question I ask. I ask everyone that comes on, and uh, um, I want to know how where the square one is for you with baseball. What is your baseball origin story? I was a, a pretty indoorsy kid. I uh, enjoyed things like books and math. And, uh, and just staying inside as much as possible. And, um, my dad was like concerned that I was going to wither away into nothingness. And so he, he was trying to get me to play sports and I pretty predictably hated them. And, um, and then finally one day in, in 1988, I was eight years old and he just pulls out this pack of baseball cards and he's like, Hey, I want you to check out these cards. We can read the statistics on the back. Here's what batting average means. Uh, here's what an RBI is. This here's how many home runs are like a good number to have. This player's good because he has 25 home runs, and uh, and so I was interested. Like, all right, this seems like something I can do in my bed. <laughs> and and uh, one of the cards was a Steve Bouchel. I still have it. He's like mid swing, and Dad goes, "Oh, this guy, he plays for the Texas team. Did you know that that we had a team here in Texas?" And I said, "No, I obviously not. I know nothing about the sport." You know, well, this guy is Steve Bouchelle, and he plays third base, and here's what third base means, and he plays for the Texas Rangers, and that's our team. I'm like, all right, well, that's cool. And so I just wrote my name on the back, and as you do with baseball cards as a child, and uh, and that was kind of the beginning of it. I started collecting cards and got really into it. This was right around the time, you know, a few months later was uh, when the Rangers signed Nolan Ryan, and that was a big, huge deal. Uh, this was in the Julio Franco and Ruben Sierra years, and and um, yeah, I just kind of got started there. And when I was ten, uh, I had a crush on a girl who was very much into baseball, and I decided maybe I should start playing, and kind of just fell in love with the game more from a um, like an emotional and um, analytical standpoint first, and oh. then you know I was not ever like the best athlete, but I I was a hard worker and smart and liked to play, and so that was how I got started. Okay. And so, so your, your beginnings, did you actually play like a lot of organized baseball? Like did, did you go through little league? Did you go through high school? 
I did. Yeah, I played in little league. I played some summer leagues. I played in high school. Uh, um, played three three years of varsity. I'm in a small school, so it's not as impressive as a five A school. <laughs> um, but I uh, I played, and then in college, I tried out for the Texas Wesleyan baseball team, and uh, I mean, did, I was six one and weighed 145 pounds. I was never like. I'm, Unless I was a pitcher, like I, it, if I had gone the Pedro Martinez route or something, maybe I could have played in college. But I, I think my fastball was like seventy-six miles an hour. I was I was a second baseman. And, <laughs> okay, uh, gotcha. Was I was going to ask you what position you played. Yeah, I mean mostly second. I played a little bit of first because the the tall skinny guy gets thrown at first base uh, once in a while. But I wasn't left-handed, um, and we had a left-handed kid, and so he became the first baseman, and I, I played second base mostly. Uh, a lot of right field, and when I first got started, by <laughs> the time I made it to high school, I kind of put it together. Oh, you're not the grandson of Earl Weaver then? <laughs> oh, uh, if if my baseball skills are anything to judge by, there is no relation. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, a lot of folks that come on here, you know, they come up and they, they go through, you know, like uh, a lot of the writers we've talked to have had a very sort of traditional, you know, if not a little bit quirky route. You know, they come up, they cover a sport for a, um, a local paper or something, and then they find their way into the bigger publications. Um, your route is is much much different, where you actually came to the industry through 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 music. Like you were a, you were a, a pretty established musician, correct? I don't know if established is the right word. <laughs> I, uh, well, I mean, I, you mean six records, yeah, an EP. I did, I did yeah. yeah, I did. That was my job for almost a decade. So, like in that sense, yes, I was. Uh, I feel like I got really lucky. And got to do a lot of things that a lot of more talented people never got to do. Um, I mean, I played probably around a thousand shows, um, just hauled myself around the country for the better part of a decade, uh, playing shows, a lot of living room shows, you know, a lot of very small bars I'd play in. I would play, I remember playing in bars and churches in the same week, um, playing in people's houses, backyards, barns, I mean, wherever I could find that I could get somebody to set up a show for me. And, um, yeah, that was that was what I did. And when we moved to Texas, I mean, I don't know how involved you want me to get. Um, I'll try and I'll try and keep it brief. <laughs> In 2014, we bought an RV, and my wife and I and our two kids. I was tired of traveling without them, and um, we traveled around the country in an RV for a year. Decided we couldn't do that forever, and doesn't sound sustainable. We decided we could settle. Yeah, it's not. Uh, turns out that it's actually really hard to do. And we we basically broke even, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like as far as the potential outcomes. But um, yeah, we we ended up. I did it. My last tour was in Europe. I had like a six week tour over there, sort of put together by myself and with the help of fans. And um, Heather, my wife, was doing some freelance work in Texas, and we were actually gonna go to Seattle. And we were like three days from. I was in Nashville getting our stuff out of storage, and she said, "I you know." got a job offer and it's a good job offer and i think we should you know i told them no because i know you said you would never move back to texas but i just thought i would at least let you know and like we didn't have anything lined up in seattle and i looked and I'm like that is actually a really good job offer we gotta take it so we ended up back back in texas and i don't know i don't know if it was just the 35 or the fact that we were in texas or what well, i don't know what it was but i just couldn't figure out how to write another song like it just seemed like a very foreign concept to me to, to write songs and so 2015 was a weird year. Um, I did some blogging just to kind of keep myself occupied. I planted a garden, grew my hair out to my shoulders. And, uh, nice. And eventually just decided, like, I don't think music is coming back. And so um, 
about that time, the the girl who had the full time gig at the ABC affiliate left. She moved to Guam, and I and had a few conversations about you know this is maybe an industry that's not that stable. Are you sure that you're okay with that? That and I tried to keep my laughter to a yeah. not rude <laughs> level of volume because like I just came from the music industry. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's fine. What? So which um, which which? Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, that was it. So I just went from being a musician to being like I'm covering a major league team, and I was way in over my head. And so I I owe a lot to guys like T.R. Sullivan and Evan Grant and Jeff Wilson who all just sort of like uh, took me under their wing and showed me how to do the job. The uh, Which which grind do you think was, was tougher? Was Because I know that being a beat writer, I mean, you are, you know, it's not nine to five. You are constantly right. tethered to the team. You're traveling. You're on, you're con- tethered to your social media. You're, you know, the, it's really a grind. And so I, I wonder which grind did you find to be more difficult, like the music scene or, or being a beat writer? So like baseball is, it's, um, let me, let me see if I can use a, a, a term that I actually learned in baseball when, when they're talking about pitchers elbows, they look at the chronic workload and the acute workload. And the chronic workload is like what, you know, when a pitcher throws 200 innings in a season, there's some wear and tear on his elbow, like a chronic workload that he's just been working a lot for a long time. An acute workload is like, oh, he threw 150 pitches today. That's more than his elbow is used to handling. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like there are some similarities when you're comparing the, the baseball grind and the music grind. Um, the the baseball grind is longer and more nonstop because it starts like mid-February and it doesn't end until, I mean, if you're lucky, the end of October, but probably around the beginning of October. Sure. And it's every day. Mm-hmm. You know, there are not days off. Uh, there are, it's just, it's just every day. And the work days are long. Like on a homestand, I'll get to the ballpark at two, in the afternoon and I'll be home at midnight or one in the, in the morning. And so that aspect of it, there is some grind that you just need like a month off when you get home. Um, touring, I think was more of a, an acute workload in that when I was on tour, I would be, you know, I'd get up and I'd, I'd drive five hours and I get to the place and I was doing a lot of house shows. So I'm the guy, like I'm the merch Uh guy, I'm the sound guy, I'm the everything. And I, by the way, booked this tour myself and promoted it most mostly myself. I would get to the show and I'm talking to these people I haven't seen in a long time. We're friends. They're wanting to catch up, you know, so I have to be on. I'm setting up the merch table. I set up my gear. I, I do a sound check, um, probably have a quick bite to eat. And then the show starts and I'm on and I'm doing, you know, an hour or so. And then after that, I'm at the merch table and I'm on because I'm selling vinyl or t-shirts or CDs or whatever. And then the people that I haven't seen in a year want to hang out. So we may, you know, have a drink or hang out and it's two in the morning then. And then you go to bed and you wake up the next morning, you have a five hour drive and you're doing it all over again. And that would go nonstop, like every, for two or three weeks at a time. And then you come home and you have a week or two or three off and then you get back out there and do it again. And the difference there is that like I was the product. So it was a lot more like emotionally tiring like you're on all the time and you just have to be on all the time with baseball like i don't really have to be on ever like maybe once in a while there'll be a fan that wants to like say hello and i can go down and be on but like if i want to be antisocial and be a beat writer i can mm. i can like put in my earbuds hang out in the press box and just like melt into my story or whatever it is that i'm doing so they're just different kinds of of grinds and i don't want to say that one is even more exhausting than the other but it's just they're just it's just different they're both exhausting though 
Sure. Yeah, it's a lot of long hours, a lot of nights and weekends, and uh, time away time away from the from from everyone because you're because you're traveling and you know uh, sure. things like that. Um, so one thing that did change because I'm familiar with the type of tours that you're talking about and and things like that. Um, you know the the audience changes because you're playing to to you know to small to mid sized crowds. Uh, you know I've mm. I've had many nights and I'm sure you have too of playing to the sound guy. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So the audience changes. The worst. Oh yeah, there. <laughs> especially if you're like the last on a multi band set and you you drew like oh, the midnight gosh. set. I've yeah, that's I, not fun. I like. I know that that. Uh, triggered is a word that has been overused in the last half decade but i literally just felt my heart rate increase when you're you're describing the situation i remember we're doing this like i have played for the band i was touring with and the sound guy and i was like why why am i doing this like i don't need the practice i've played enough shows why what is preventing me from quitting right now why don't i and i didn't quit but i did like get really experimental and just like lean into my loop pedals and get super super weird oh yeah enjoy it like it wasn't fun yeah yeah it was like an act of rebellion to even finish the set yes man man relate i'm sweating i'm i'm relating to all of that um (laughs) what so but like my question is really more related to the audience right where it says like you you go from these small crowds and then bam you are like you're a beat writer for not only you know a major league team but now you you've increased your audience exponentially by going to the athletic uh, what is what is the transition like to have, you know, that many I go from so few to so many uh, in that in that short amount of time? I mean, I did fortunately have like two years at um, WFAA where I was just this weirdo who would write about like space and dragons and time travel when I was like trying to relate to baseball. And I kind of found my audience there, but it was the weirdest thing to like have players approach me about something that I had written. I'd be like, oh you you saw this is people can actually read what's being written here that's crazy and um and so i think i had a a little bit of space to kind of like mess up on my own terms Mm -hmm. and not have it be a huge deal because i was basically a blogger like i got to go to the games but i didn't travel yeah i mean it is it it is definitely a shift i had to have i've had to have uh um, on some level, thicker skin doing this, which mm-hmm. you wouldn't think would be the case, right? When I'm the product and I'm writing these heartfelt songs, and like if somebody rejects that, it feels like they're rejecting me, and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But when people come to my show, generally speaking, a fan of me, and once in a while you'll get somebody that just comes to check it out, or a music critic, or whatever that doesn't like it. But those are kind of few and far between when you're playing at the level that I was playing, and so it was generally a positive um, response. With baseball, like people care so much about their team and if they don't like what you wrote they'll get like they will not hesitate to let you know and um so i've had to just like learn to not take that personal like my mute button on twitter is on fire because <laughs> it's hot from overuse like i just i, I will mute anybody for any because like i get it you're a fan and you want to sound off and that's totally cool you are well within your rights to do that um i don't need to wreck my day by reading all those negative comments and so i'm just just gonna right. like let you scream into the void a little bit, right. uh, Jim. We so, yeah, were talking it's been a, a little bit of an adjustment, but yeah, Jim. We were talking just off air before we started. We were just talking about the the sort of negativity that you have to deal with, and and Jim and you both having much larger platforms than myself, it it, it can be kind of a chore. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's from my my point is that like I don't have 
I'm not a beat writer, right? So I don't have all these invested fans like like Levi has to deal with and everything else. I mean, my name is Passon, right? So I get like I get accidental yeah. DMs for Jeff Passon in my DMs, right? Yeah. Oh my God, good grief! They're they're rabid, they're crazy. I don't even know how you guys deal with it because uh, the fans are just fanatics, man. It's nuts. So oh, yeah, you'd, have, I, you'd have to look the other way. I cannot imagine like dealing with social media on the level that somebody like Jeff Passon or Ken Rosenthal or those guys have to deal with. Like just looking through their replies, uh, <laughs> like. It, I would like I already struggle enough with despairing about like the the state of humanity. Uh, that would make it so much worse to have to deal we, with those guys every day. Like we could do like uh, the bad tweets thing that was on like I don't know who was it, it was a Fallon I think or right like Fallon right we could just do like bad yeah. DMs for beat writers and we could just have <laughs> oh my gosh we could have people like Levi come on and just be like hey I'm gonna read some of my DMs to you guys in just a, a monotone voice. <laughs> No. You know, yeah, you know what I think is a, a sort of a low-key, like, the really stressful thing is that, um, I'm going to sound fragile even saying this, like, the guys that are huge jerks or just, like, saying racist things or whatever, like, those are easy to just block and move on. You're like, mm-hmm. this is a troll. It, it can be, like, exhausting once you get a certain number. Of, like, for me, it was 5,000. When I crossed 5,000 followers is when this became kind of tiresome is like people that are well-intentioned but just sort of this assumed familiarity Mm. and so you'll get somebody making like a sarcastic joke that if my somebody that i know was making this like joey gallo sucks the rangers should dfa joey gallo you know that's a joke right and you're like okay i get it haha that's that's a lighthearted joke but when somebody i don't know does it as a joke and i'm like See, what you don't understand is people literally and mean it. And I don't know when you're joking. There's no way for me. I can't see your face and the sly grin that you're giving right. your phone as you're typing out this sarcastic comment. I just think you're adding to the noise of the people who are just yelling. And it's, and so sometimes I res- respond to things in kind of they're like, dude, how would you not, not know I was joking? I'm like, dude, how would I know? Like, you don't realize there are people that are literally saying these things. Uh, and then extrapolate this out. Can you imagine being like a political writer right now and having oh, this God. exponentially more this? I, I couldn't be me. I wonder too, you know, coming from and I, I've told and, and in another conversation Jim and I've had what I found, I'm new to the baseball, uh, baseball social media world it, it, by comparison to many. I found that this, and you can tell me if you can, you agree with the parallels or the differences between, say, like in the music industry, the social media world, which which can feel very inaccessible. Um, the baseball world, in in like baseball Twitter, for example, seems almost. Do you feel like it seems over, overly accessible sometimes? Sometimes, yeah, and it's. I don't even know that I've got anything extra to add to that. I, that is, this is not good podcast guest etiquette to just be like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, it's yep. cool. You've yeah. come, you've come on the right podcast, sir. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Um, yeah. That, I mean, the accessibility is kind of, I mean, it's a, it's a two, it's a double-edged sword for somebody like Levi, right? For somebody like Jeff Passon or myself. Um, it's uh you know it gives you access it gives you people that you can talk to and everything else but it, it also gives you access to the other side too right it gives you access to the people like he's talking about you don't know if they're being sarcastic or 
if they're just flat out being jackasses, right? And and they're all over out there. There's so many of them, it's ridiculous. So uh, I like the accessibility that like social media has for like the baseball and and people associated with baseball and everything else versus what you get for like music and stuff like that. But they're so over the top, right? It's I mean, Lady Gaga's got eight bazillion followers on every platform and stuff like that, and and that's just a different league that they're playing in. But I mean, I like the accessibility of, of being able. I mean, we got Levi on the show. Yeah, I mean, Levi's yeah. here. Yeah, you know, uh, like not to just make everything a parallel between the music world and the baseball world, but I remember like in 1999 and 2000, everybody going like, okay this is going to change everything. Like everyone's on a level playing field right now. And, you know, Radiohead came out and did their pay what you want feed. The indie music world was ecstatic. Like this is our time. There are no more gatekeepers. Like anybody can hear my music. I will be able to reach just as big an audience as Radiohead. Like this is going to be awesome. And then basically what happened is the major labels died and nobody knew what to listen to. And you know, Spotify came along and they're paying indie artists per spin and major artists. And there were so many bands that nobody knew what to listen to. So they just listened to their favorites or like curated playlists. And everybody was like, oh no, we wildly misinterpreted what was going to happen. <laughs> and I, I, I kind of feel like a similar thing with all of this with sports. We're like, oh, this is amazing. Like literally talk to athletes if we want. Like it's basically like we can tech an athlete if we want. Like this is amazing. And my voice can be heard and I can, I can get so many more inputs of like such a broad, vast range of opinions. I am going to be so much more well-informed and well-rounded because I'm going to get to hear what everybody has to think. And a couple of years in, you're just like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. There's such a wide I range of opinions. <laughs> that this is what people thought. I don't want to hear this at all. Right. So it's, yeah. It, it's like a monkey's uh, paw, like, oh, yes, you could, you want to know what everybody's thinking? And then you get it, and you're like, oh, please, nope, nope, please return to sender. I don't want this drop out there. It is ridiculous. I I, I mean, I, I, we've been to sporting events, right, all our lives, all of us have. Um, uh, and, and you're standing in a crowd with people, and you just kind of feel like, okay, like if I, growing up as a Yankees fan, go to a game, sit with the Yankee fans, and, and you yell, and you scream, and you cheer for the same team and everything else. But you don't realize, you know, in 1988 and 1993 that that guy that's next to you, he's now online in 2013, and he's the one that's saying all that garbage, right? But he's right. he, he's a fan of the same team you're a fan of, right? He stood next to you and yelled just as much as you did at a baseball game. But then you go yeah. into the social media world and it's like holy crap and i i didn't want to know this about people i didn't i mean it's like everybody always like yankee fans are the worst right and i'm like i always kept being like you can't throw us all in the same bucket and then i got on social media and started meeting yankee fans like me and i'm like they are the worst here's the thing <laughs> everybody is the worst yeah every, the worst. every team's fan base is the worst because the people that you hear from are the loudest and the most opinionated and this this comes back to um what a dunning kruger syndrome are you guys mm -hmm. familiar with this term i've yeah. i've only heard it i don't know what it means okay so it's like the people who are least qualified to do a job are the ones who are most confident that they could do the job competently oh okay that that i have not heard so like that explained but it makes yes. total sense and then similarly the people who are most qualified to do a job are the ones who are filled with self-doubt like, do you understand how much goes into doing this job? I could not possibly be capable of doing this. And it's kind of like the bigger your imposter syndrome, the more likely it is that you're probably, you have a good grasp of what you're doing because things are hard. And so when you, uh, I could fix the economy. It's real simple. 
that's how you know somebody could not in any lifetime fix the economy. Right. And if somebody goes, this is complicated and we're probably going to mess up a lot and there's really no chance we're going to get it to an ideal, but we're, we're just going to do our best. That's probably the guy that you want in charge. Yep. So yeah, I mean, you get the fan base that's like, I could bring this team. I could be the GM of this team. I could get them to the World Series. It's real simple. You're like, okay, go have a Miller light and tell your buddy how you could make it really simple, but I don't need to listen to this. Right. I played OOTP. I won a World Series. Therefore, I, uh, I yes. know what to do. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so uh, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit more about the, the current state of affairs, you know, in terms of how we're covering things and, and the Rangers. I want, I'd love to talk some baseball. So, uh, so uh, we'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, hanging with us today is uh, with me and Jim is Levi Weaver, a uh, beat writer for the Athletic uh, Texas and uh, covering the Texas Rangers. Um, so Levi, you know, we talked a little bit about your background and, and your kind of come up through the through the ranks, but. You know, uh, given the current state of affairs, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, at least talk a little bit about the current situation. Um, what, how are you, how are you handling all of this with, with no baseball right now? It's just such a, a broad, broad spectrum, right? Like I feel really fortunate we've been able to stay home. Um, we don't, I'm not having to go work at a grocery store and put my, um, you know, my wife, her job is, uh, such that she can work from home. We've been sort of working with the kids doing school and kind of just trying to keep ourselves occupied. So that's good. I mean, you know, writing about sports is weird. I found myself watching grown men play video games. <laughs> I've, I've um, seen your 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 uh, tweets on this the the show yeah. tournament. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Joey Gallo's killing it. Um, <laughs> so that's, you know, I mean, I wrote a story about the how the collapse of the XFL is going to affect the Rangers' old stadium. Just, these are just topics that I'm not. I would have never thought that I would write an article involving business dealings of the XFL, you know. Uh, looking for story ideas has been really interesting when there's no sports to write about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm going a little... I literally uh, dyed my hair blue this week because I'm just... Why not? I've always wanted to try it and just see what it looks like. And so now I have blue hair. So, you know, that that's maybe a cry for help on some level, but <laughs> it's not... Uh, it's not the end of the world. Do you, do you find yourself trying to like, when you do uh, look for things to write about, are, are you deliberately, like, are you in a position now where it almost forces you to try to pick more evergreen type topics? Like how, how far to the fringes do you, do you think you can go? Well, I mean, I wrote a story pretty early on in this about what if all of the baseball mascots had a battle royale, And I don't mean like, in most cases, the like fluffy mascot, like people in suits. I mean, like literally, the Detroit Tigers would be represented by it, and the Minnesota Twins would just be two guys from Minnesota, um, <laughs> and just trying to determine who would win. Like, Are the results? Did you yes. come to a conclusion on this? I did. I hate to spoil it for everybody, but well, don't um, spoil it. Go to the, it's on the Athletic, right? Yeah, yeah, it's on. Yeah, go there, go read it on the Athletic. Uh, I was just curious if we came to a conclusion. <laughs> Yeah, I will say that because like I had to pick a setting, right? Like you, you can't just say who would win because where are they fighting? In the void of space? Are they underwater? Are they on top of a mountain? Like where? So I I set it in, and I will, 
I will spoil it this far that the uh, the Marlin and the Ray did not do super well above water. <laughs> they, they were pretty short for this. Yeah, not 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 the not the part. ideal ideal battleground. Um, yeah. No, so, and I had to make a decision on the Rays. Like, am I going to go with the like the Devil Ray, like that they were for the first little while, or am I going to like adhere to they changed it to the Rays and they've got these like weird two-dimensional in and out looking things now on their uniforms like is this a ray of light that's too hard to try to deal with so i just went the the devil ray that's it that's sorry so like yeah like the old colt 45 would have had a much better chance of winning than the astros probably but yeah because you'd have to melt that down really like guns don't kill people people kill people as the old saying goes right. and a gun, just on its own <laughs> have a really hard time although i think i do think there would be a natural alliance between the colt 45s and the texas rangers so that would be like true that's that's it's and they're both interstate teams so yeah it would be weird though fans of both the rangers and the astros would be really upset that i suggested there should be any sort of an alliance (laughs) that's true now if it was uh if it was say like pre like 2015 okay like you know what oh yeah yeah. that that, that, they were in different leagues exactly sure yeah the um so when you uh it, it almost feels like i'm i'm watching a lot of the stuff coming out now and and it, are you learning more about your colleagues now are you learning more about like what's what's really out there because it's because we're not bound to the current timeline of the season that is a really interesting question and i feel like maybe i should have been more thoughtful and observant and been doing that but no i you <laughs> know i don't read a lot of sports writing if i can admit that publicly I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. Um, I just don't like during the season, and I have more now because I haven't had my own season to deal with. But like in season, I'm doing baseball from you know 2 p.m. till midnight every day. The last thing I want to do when I get home is like open up my app and read more about baseball. So <laughs> once in a while, something will pop up or you know a really good story. I'll start to see getting mentioned in my Twitter timeline a lot. I'm like, okay, I'll go check that out and see if it's good. And there are a few like Grant Brisby. I'll still read whatever he writes. True. Uh, you know, there are there are guys that I'll that I'll check in on. Um, but no, I mean, I, I haven't really been doing a whole lot of reading of any sports at all. There was um, there was actually OK, I'll give you one. There was a really good article this week about the scout that the doc um, sent to scout Jackie Robinson. This was written by um, Alex uh, Coffey. She's Clyde our, our uh, Sukforth, I think. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I, she, I thought she did a really great job with that one, and I was I was very interested. I read the whole the whole thing. Um, so there, uh, yeah, once in a while something will sneak through, but by and large, I've been I've been trying to read. Um, one of my favorite books of all times uh, of all time is The Grapes of Wrath, and I'd always wanted to start East of Eden, and I had just never, never done it. So I am about fifteen chapters deep on East. Of Eden. Um, wow. Okay. And then, and then I've been, you know, playing MLB the Show a lot. <laughs> and the, keeping up with the news, which is really like the worst part of my day. Yeah. Um, and I should just do it less. There you go. So, there you go. That's uh, it, it's tough keeping up with the news. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, and I'm not going to allow myself to go any further into that because you, this is not the yell and rant uh, podcast. So just it's bad. It's not particularly so, enjoy it. I do feel a responsibility to keep up with what's happening, but I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. So we see, like, I mean, it's tough, right? You're at home, there's no sports to cover. Um, 
so some people are working on things like learning a foreign language or something else to help um, during this time. Maybe that might help further their careers and, and learn yeah. something from what they're in the midst of right now. What have MLB teams and players and managers learned during this this COVID that you've seen? Is there something from their perspective that uh, that they've learned from this this situation? Is there? Um, I I don't. That's a great question and one that I really maybe I should dig into that and see if I can answer that in an article. Thank you for the idea. Um, <laughs> it's a lead factory here. <laughs> it is. I, I love it. Um, it's difficult yeah, because so many people are affected, right? I mean, it's it's not just you know writers, players, managers. It's all the the food workers and everybody else. That okay, well, what are you going to do different coming out of this so that the next time something like this happens, that you're ready and prepared for it, or just even like for the writers, uh, I, what was it? Uh, Fangraph laid off a few of their writers, uh, yeah. and they they kind of. They let off quite a bit. They just didn't have, they don't have the revenue. They don't have the games. Yeah, Sports Illustrated did a big round too. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that and that hurts. It puts a lot of really good workers out of work, right? Well, yeah, that means a lot of really good workers are still working. How are you supposed to get their job, right? It's like, well, what do you right. learn to be able to say, okay, next time something like this comes out, I'm going to be the guy that they're going to keep, right? So, but yeah. Yeah, those are hard, hard questions. And some of it, honestly, I don't even think was the fault of the writers. I think a lot of time the writers, they were just, they were doing perfectly fine work. They were doing great. They just so happened to work for an employee that had to make cuts to stay afloat. And um, yeah, I I mean, it's tough. I I don't know. As far as those lessons, um, right? man, who knows? Who knows? Right. I mean, I'm sure there's lessons to be learned from everywhere. I mean, Globe Life Park learned a lesson. Don't count on the XFL. Yeah. So I mean, we're all learning something. So. Yeah. Yeah, they got this shiny new stadium, and and no one to no one to go to it. Mm-hmm. And what, what's yeah. left soccer there? Right. Yeah. So in Globe Life Park, there's a soccer league, and then this week the Arlington School Board passed a measure that they are going to play 14. Uh, games at, at Globe Life Park, and that'll be enough to keep it afloat for this season. I mean, assuming okay. that we get all this under control, right? You know, by football season, and um, if we can just sort of continue to flatten the curve instead of, yeah, right. Oh wait, wait, wait! I did say this was not the rant hour. I'm going to just yeah, no, no, we're not, we're not ranting here. <laughs> but, yeah, keep your rants in check, Levi. Football. Levi. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. I, uh, high school football, yeah. Yes, exactly. Like that, high school football. Yeah. Um, but I, I did want to ask a little bit about so, like, you know, there's a lot of there's been a lot of really interesting proposals for the 2020 season. Like, I've heard everything from just straight doubleheaders. I've heard I've heard everything from split seasons, tournaments. I don't see any, I, there's been tons of proposals, but in terms of viability, like I don't see anything as like a real, like, you know, okay, this is definitely realistic. This is definitely going to happen. When, uh, is there any, just in terms of just interest, like, is there anything that you've heard that's like, wow, that would be cool if nothing else. So I, I tend to, uh, lean towards anything that is new and novel and weird and let's try it and see what happens. Uh, and so in that sense, yeah, I think they're all really interesting. I think the sending everybody to Arizona is an interesting thing. The idea of a tournament is interesting. 
they could have 50 man rosters that would be super <laughs> to try and figure out how all of that works like what's the what are the what are the logistics how would you make that happen but my inner idealist and my inner realist sort of arguing um i, I think the re realist is winning like like mike trout brought up an interesting his daughter's supposed to be born what does he go and then quarantine for two weeks after that and he misses two weeks right like if so i mean okay but that's one thing you're gonna have to really account for and the logistics of getting however many thousands of baseball players and their family how many of them are going to actually observe this quarantine where they are not leaving their hotels and like who's going to be the first one to go crazy what do you do um what do you do when a player gets it you know right. do you shut down the league again how, like there's there's just so much and it's the logistics of pulling any one of these ideas off is maybe even like overshadowed by the logistics of even coming up with a plan. Like I cannot, there are so many loose ends and so many thousands of people and millions, if not billions of dollars involved. And you're asking to do this expedite a timeline. How is this? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's all really interesting to me. The idea of like a tournament, I yeah. think that would be great. Um, how do you seed it though? Twenty four or thirty six or you know whatever the right number of teams is. You've got fifteen on each side. So like, do the teams that went to the World Series last year get a bye? Can you imagine like if they let's just let's just let's just say the Orioles come into the season and they just get hot. Like, can, can you imagine the distortion? Like, I like the tournament idea, too, just because of the the intense distortion of, of what we expect, you know, because baseball, you're basically asking for a postseason, and anything can happen in the postseason. Oh, yeah, like, that's one of the defining factors of baseball as a sport is that the best team, without many exceptions, ends up in the playoffs. And, right. yes, anything can happen in the playoffs, but you at least know, like, the team won the division probably... And maybe it was neck and neck with another really good team. But, you know, like on football, it's a 16-week season and any team can be any other team. And each win and loss is so huge and, and paramount to the season. Um, so can you imagine a season where, like you said, you know, maybe the Angels went out and they signed Anthony Rendon and they spent all this money. And then they just get knocked off in the first round by an Orioles team that all of a sudden hands are out there to goes eight for ten. <laughs> right. And the Angels are done in 2020, and they played like four games, and that was their entire season. You spent however many millions of dollars for Anthony Rendon, <laughs> and you're bounced in four games. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's wild, and I would be, it'd be re like, I was a little curious how the NBA All Star game was going to go with how they like switched up. It wasn't like a regular basketball game, it was like each quarter one team won the quarter and so that team got x amount of dollars for charity they play the second quarter starting at zero uh, and they would play the third quarter starting at zero zero but in the fourth quarter they would add up all the points and so like one team was up 24 points or whatever and basically it was first team to um you know 150 or whatever wins and so at a like that was down they would have to score like twice as many points as the team that was up to get the win and i thought all right let's see how this goes and it was so engaging it was like the most entertaining all-star game in years because usually the nba all-star game is not competitive but all right. of a sudden here comes the fourth quarter and these guys are like you had guys drawing fouls you had like Kawhi leonard drawing charges in the fourth right. quarter 
it was amazing and i'm like all right we tried something new and it really really worked out and it won over the skeptics i hope they keep it like this um i do think baseball has an opportunity here to just be like hey we're we're gonna try it we're gonna try automated strike zones with an umpire um just let's just see and if it doesn't work hey you know what it's coronavirus's fault and we'll go back to normal (laughs) next year who knows man maybe you stumble on something that is like super great and it works and you keep it so i do think there are opportunities for that but the sheer logistics of just any of this like getting players in uniform on field and having them have enough workout time where they're not at risk of they're not coming cold off their couches to like throw 100 miles an hour I, I don't know. I don't know if it's possible or not. Um, right. Well, you talk so, about it. It's, uh, oh. you know, the acute uh, wear versus the chronic yes, wear. Yeah, yeah. You know, and exactly. that's, that's a lot of acute wear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, yeah. Like the, the KBO is getting ready to start, right? With yeah, no, May 1st, I think. Yeah, with nobody in the stands and stuff like that. So, you know, they were able to, well, I think they had dealt with their coronavirus situation a little bit, I guess, yeah. better, I guess you'd say. And then... Uh, and so they were able to kind of get their spring training in now and make sure that their arms are loose and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the same thing they're going to need here. I just, I mean, without a vaccine for for COVID nineteen and and whatnot, it just seems like it's such a long shot to even try to get. I mean, like the way I keep looking is if you don't have your spring training by July first, then you don't have your players on the field by the middle of July playing regular season games, and if you don't have half of a season, I don't. I don't know if they play. I mean, yeah. is, is there a certain amount of games you think that, that MLB has to have if, and that the MLB PA would have to agree on? Yeah, uh, I mean, for this? I think at that point you start to look at, do you want it to look like a season or are we going with the term just so that we can have something? Right. You know, it, I think if they start a tournament first of August or it, middle of august i mean if they start a tournament they could wrap that up a month or a month and a half and if that's all you've got then you go well you know sorry we did what we could if you you want it to look more like a season where there are regular season games i mean i think you got to look at at least a 60 to 80 game season right like right yeah i mean maybe i don't i don't know and what happens when somebody tests that positive for covid 19 in the middle of that you right know? i mean there's the you you're going to go back to what we did before. You had to quarantine them plus anybody they've been around because we still mm-hmm. don't have a vaccine at that point. It just, I don't know. The more I, I ponder over this this situation, the, the less optimistic I get, I guess. Right. So. It, it seems like, it almost seems like the mountain of logistics is so much to, to it's so big to climb. It's, it's like, it, at what point do we, does the risk outweigh the benefit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where, yeah, and figure out, can I go home see my wife and my kid, you know, and then spend two weeks at home? But he could go to Arizona and play baseball, and then three days later play a different baseball team, and three days later play another baseball team, and you know, it, it just seems I don't know, it just seems weird that they would even try to play baseball if they don't have this solved. But yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. The um, one thing that go ahead, Levi. Sorry. That, well, one thing that I was wondering, like, if they do split this into Arizona and Florida, which seems to be the most likely, and I'm not saying it is, but it seems the most likely plan, you know, then you're talking about 15 teams in each league. Um, there is no American League or National League at that point, and one team is going to have to have a day off every day. Um, 
So that means probably the end of like series. It won't be a three game series between the Rangers and the Mariners. It'll be like spring training where like we're playing them and then we're playing the White Sox tomorrow and then we're playing the Reds the next day. Like I think it would look more like that, which is right. I mean, on the list of logistics, way, way down there. Right. 200th. <laughs> but it is something that I'm like, oh, yeah, that would also be a thing this year if they do it that way. Well, and, and the and the amount of work, it just yeah, like I'm, I'm kind of like Jim. Like the more I think about it, like the amount of work that goes into this is is so daunting that mm-hmm. it, it almost just doesn't seem like it, I, as it, it it fights against the very foundation of of us, right? Like we are baseball people. We want baseball, but do we want this baseball? <laughs> right. And honestly, if, if they could do it. And if they could pull it off, then yeah, yeah, give me weird baseball. That would be awesome. I would love to see a universal DH and the Rangers are in a division with like the Reds and the White Sox and like, yeah, awesome. Give it to me. And especially, especially when there are no other sports to watch. A An unforgettable, memorable, like favorite baseball season of my life type thing Right. to just watch what happens when everything gets upturned and you have to cobble it together and get resource. It could be amazing if they can do it. But like you said, it's can they do it and can they value the player's safety? Can they pull off the logistics where it's not an irresponsible thing to do where you're putting players at risk and their families at risk? And and frankly, nation at further risk because who yeah. knows who's going to see who and talk to who. And like, but yeah, I mean, I do I want that? Yeah, that'd be rad. I would love like universal DH or universal. They definitely do DH versus oh, yeah. no DH. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, give me that electronic strike zone. Give me like players sitting in the stands so they're not sitting in the dugout next to each other. <laughs> That's right. Just run out onto the field. I'd love that. Yeah, give me the death of the high five, and players have to invent new ways to congratulate each other. Um, <laughs> like, like all of these things are fascinating. Like what plays at the plate, and you've got like instead of the posy rule, you've got the like if you are beaten by more than six feet, you just have to stand. <laughs> <laughs> shrug and you're out <laughs> our tags still thing yeah let's get let's get weird i would love to see it if they can do it safely that's awesome just start playing with like a foam ball and instead of tagging people out you just throw it out and yeah yes like we used like it just to do it in the backyard yeah dude it's dodge it's dodge baseball dodge baseball yeah. with the side of kickball in there or something right yeah it's just Make it Absolutely. up, and then you can tell everybody. I, I mean, I covered the Rangers during the 2020 season. That's right. Yes, yeah. and and the way Elvis only kicks a baseball is crazy. I'll be 95 years old and tell my like great grandchildren like I covered the only Rangers World Series championship. <laughs> <laughs> no, please don't let it be. Don't, don't let it be that long. <laughs> Well, uh, Levi, thank you, them. thank you so much for your time, man. This has been so much fun, and I appreciate it. And um, and we'll look forward to having you on the show again sometime. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. And I'm sorry I forgot the difference between Central and Eastern time. We won't have you again, Jeff.